Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here and I'm blessed and grateful to be with my friend, Amal Agrawal. Amal, how are you? Good. Thank you for having me, Tyler. My pleasure, my friend. And uh, it's been a long time coming, man. We've been uh, we've been kind of kicking the tires here on this conversation yeah. for a long time. And every single other conversation that we've had offline, we're like, wait a minute, we need to record these. Mm-hmm. So we're doing it now. What do you say? Yeah, I think this is the first time we're making an official podcast. Yeah. But our last four conversations have been unofficial. Yeah. And I think one where my wife was there was almost the eye rolling like, <laughs> who are you talking to? Yeah. She's <laughs> like, please stop. She's We're like, talking to each other. This yeah, fun. exactly. Exactly. Shout out to Rushi, by the way. Rushi, if you're listening, we love you. And uh, we appreciate the eye roll. Every now and then we need an eye roll. We need people who roll their eyes at us in our life. Right. Think? It's, it's always good. Yeah. Yeah. Keeps you humble. I know, but I'm really excited about this conversation because, you know, not just because we have illuminating conversations with and for each other, but I know that we can impact someone else's life and many other people's lives for that matter uh, by this conversation and really expand the minds of the folks that are listening. And so I'm excited about this and uh, super blessed to have you here and super excited to have Elevate Nation back. Thank you for joining us today. And I want to ask you the question that I always ask, are you ready to take it to another level? Because I know Amal is, and I have, I absolutely am. And we're going to do that today. We're going to take it to another level. And I want to welcome you back to the show where we sit down for mind-expanding conversations with influential authorities like this guy right here to my right in real estate as well as top experts in other industries and disciplines. And, and you'll find that Amal really kind of fits all of those categories. So I'm super excited about this conversation. It's our mission to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. And of course, today we're gonna distill the mindset in this beautiful brain right here. We're gonna see what's going on. We're gonna talk about habits, routines, systems, tools, strategies, and so much more from an individual like Amal who is elevating to a life without limits so that you, the listeners, can do the exact same or even more for yourself. This is a masterclass for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through personal growth, real estate investing, other ventures, and most importantly, and ultimately in their lives. If you appreciate what we're doing on the show, um, I would certainly be grateful from the bottom of my heart if you subscribe to the show, if you gave us a rating, a review, uh, it definitely helps us. And um, you know, it certainly means a lot to me. Our team is putting in you know, so much work on this podcast because it's a passion project and um, we're absolutely you know, looking to impact the lives of other people because we believe that the combination of personal growth, you know, never ending improvement, in addition to creating a vehicle of real estate can give you anything that you want in your life. And the thing that we're gonna talk about today, you know, not only having a mission, but also being impact driven and being multifaceted, you know, these are also other secrets really to living a fulfilling life. So, um, you know, if you're, if you're so inclined, subscribe to the show, we come out with two shows per week. And of course, check out our website, brand new website, elevatepod.com. Uh, Also, you can engage with our community on Facebook, uh, Elevate Podcast Community, where you can really engage with the tribe further, expand the conversation beyond just listening. Because if you listen, that's step one, right? Information is potential power. It's not power, right? Information is the potential for you to take action on that power and also expand that conversation, expand your mind. So with all that said, I want to dive in and I want to introduce you to Amal Agarwal, who is the Vice President of Humana Home Solutions. 
And he's also a board certified emergency room physician with clinical, entrepreneurial, administrative, and operational experience. Dr. Agarwal's mission is to help with the necessary transition from a fee or from a fee for service model to a value-based care model through patient and physician engagement. By merging both patient and healthcare provider data, he hopes to improve the patient outcomes. Dr. Agarwal is uniquely leveraged, having functioned as a chief medical officer for a health analytics platform, a healthcare consultant for Accenture, a medical director in the executive physician immersion program at Humana, and now a VP in the home care solutions division at Humana. After completing his Six Sigma Green Belt training, he is a firm believer that poor results are primarily attributed to process rather than people, which I'm super excited to talk about. And outside of work, Dr. Agarwal advises several healthcare startups. He received his MBA from the University of Illinois, his medical degree from Des Moines University, and his BS in finance and accounting from Washington University in St. Louis. He completed his residency in emergency medicine at the University of Florida, and serves as an assistant professor of emergency medicine at the University of Kentucky. Dr. Agarwal shares his home with his wife, Ruchi, and their three young children, who the, the youngest of which just turned three, right? Yes, tomorrow she'll turn three. She'll turn three tomorrow. Well, happy yeah. birthday. And, and what, is, what is your youngest name? Surya. And your other two's name? Uh, Cahill is the uh, boy. He's eight and a half. And then Satara is uh, five. That's amazing. That's amazing. We've got a family man. we got a multidimensional individual. And... Man, I couldn't be more grateful to be your friend and uh, super excited to have this conversation. So honestly, I mean, first of all, you need a couple things to do, right? It sounds like you just like the, the, the schedule is just full of white space, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, number two, you know, tell us a little bit more about you like as a man. I mean, obviously, we, we know that you're, you're pushing the limits in so many different capacities, but talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it's been really just about adapting and learning that's what i've enjoyed and so um you know with when you start out in school and in college you you have these finite goals and then when yep. you're done and you start working it's almost like oh did i do this for 40 years right and retire that just seems off and then the challenge i found in, in medicine when i was practicing was you know I, at 29 when i became an attending it almost felt like i hit the ceiling mm. and it's like, well, now what? What else do I learn? And how else do I innovate and grow and, and create new things and use this other part of my mind? And so I've always just, I've enjoyed a little bit of the uncomfort because mm -hmm. I just, I learned what I like, what I don't like. And I find different ways to attack and do different things. But I also, I love just, um, you know, so whether it's career, academics, um, you know, physical, I just like trying new things. And, you know, if I find I don't enjoy it, great, I've learned something and mm -hmm. I can move on to something else. But, um, and then also trying to get deep in why I may not enjoy something. Is it because it's difficult or is it just not something that's for me? So, um, but that's how I've approached it. So I've never really looked at, um, you know, I, I need to go from point A to point B necessarily, but it's more of um, just acquiring different skill sets. I always referred to it as my toolkit. Mm -hmm. And so when I, you know, before I joined Humana and I was doing different roles and, um, you know, I was sometimes like seven, eight years older than people at the same job, but I was like, well, I've never done this. So I'm just requiring a toolkit, you know, a, yeah. a, new, a new tool for my kit and we'll, we'll see where it takes me. So I like that mindset actually. Um, and, and it's actually something that I really try to focus on myself is that when, 
when I face a new challenge, it's a new opportunity for me to put a new tool in my tool belt yeah. or toolkit, right? Right, exactly. And, and I think that the, the kind of the frame of reference or the, or the mindset shift that really occurs through that feeling or that thought process is super profound. Yeah. Because some people may say, hey, you know what? I, I don't like this discomfort. And, you know, it's not inherent for human beings to enjoy discomfort, right? right? But framing sort of your perspective in a different way is super powerful and you know talk to me a little bit about that i mean where did that come from and when did that originate that enjoyment of discomfort so to speak um that's a good question i i think just because some of my natural career has been um doing things that are just difficult to begin with like doing pre-med is not right. necessarily easy right you know you're doing chemistry physics um math english um, and then having to take tests, which I've never been a good test taker. So that, you know, when you look at, maybe that was a blessing, right? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. It's just like, I, I sometimes look at the amount of school I've been through. I was like, wow, <laughs> I never want to do that again. Yeah. But then it's like, how did I do all that school? Because I struggle with multiple choice tests. Mm. I, I read too much into the question. <laughs> I always think there's, I can defend like two of the answers Yeah. and you know, it's trying to get in the head of the questionnaire and I just, you know, I'm not good at test taking. Um, but then I, I start gamifying things and then I find a new way to make fun of it, uh, have fun with it. So even if it's like doing something that's considered scut work, right? It's like, okay, well, how fast can I do it? Let's make mm -hmm. a game out of it. And then how can I operationalize this? Hmm. And, then, and then, you know, you, so you kind of change the mindset from this is boring, monotonous work to I'm going to get this done in like 20 seconds. So, um, you know, putting clothes away, for example, or I remember when my <laughs> firstborn, um, changing the diaper right first you're like oh it's so cute it's my first kid <laughs> and then after like your 50th diaper you're like man i don't really like not so cute anymore and i was like well how would nascar approach the diaper? <laughs> <laughs> that's like, hilarious yeah i mean they can change tires really fast so yeah we can game let's have fun with this let's time it <laughs> wow so, you know um so you just have fun with different things so this episode of elevate is brought to you by cf capital a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety. Our team, including yours truly, leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors with superior risk-adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high value multifamily communities. To learn more about future opportunities, visit cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com. So is that some, I mean, is that something that you've had to be conscious of in creating? It's like, all right, I've chosen a difficult line of work or, you know, you've had a difficult background in many different capacities. And you've just chosen like, all right, well, the only way for me to get through this is for me to make a game out of it. Yeah. Game out of it. I think so. I mean, yeah. it, it's like, cause everything, you know, depending on what you're doing, especially when we think about school and growing up, it's, it's a defined time period. Yeah. So, you know, it's like a, a you know, your, your semester, for example, I've got to do really well. Well, then you break it down into baby steps and what do I have to do? So you don't also get overwhelmed. Yeah. So you have multiple tests. So you, it's just a, finding a, a way of, and planning an attack mm -hmm. and so then you get involved in the the um, strategy behind how you're going to tackle a problem versus i have this big problem yep and then that kind of changes your shift your your mind um on how to approach it so i mean you've got like really i mean 
from my vantage point, a very resourceful mindset. Instead of, you know, hey, this is an overwhelming challenge, it's, hey, this could be a game. I could learn something. I could put this tool, new tool in my tool belt to have new experience for the future, but also I can have fun doing this and I can be creative and develop a process, right? right? Mm -hmm. I love that. So talk to me about one thing, you know, being so multifaceted, so multidimensional, somebody who is really kind of pushing many different boundaries and also leading a family, um, you know, where does the drive come from to be uncommon um, for you? I mean, where did that originate? You know, was it a moment or was it kind of a process? Uh, just tell me a little bit yeah, about that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting because you don't think of yourself as uncommon, Yeah, I think. And when you're doing a few different interests that you like, um, you know, maybe I guess it is a little bit uncommon and pushing back when you're told you have to do something a certain way or why you can't do something. Mm -hmm. You know, just growing up, it's like, well, really? <laughs> why yeah. not? Let's, let's ask why. Let's push on it. And really finding out if this is the right answer or not. So I think I've just naturally been curious and inquisitive. Mm. And that alone, when you start finding that certain truths that were told to you growing up are not actually truths, yep. then you start questioning, you know, a lot of things. Um, and then you also, you start learning about what is the purpose and you start looking into life. Why am I here? What am I trying to do? Mm. Is this, uh, is the goal to have the biggest 401k <laughs> or is it? you know, to look back and have the most, you know, photographs or most yeah. friends. I mean, there's so many different facets to think about it. And so you just have to find what works for you. And so but you can't find it without doing or trying. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what's pushed the envelope a little bit is trying as much of the things that I can do and, and seeing how well I can do them. So, you know, sometimes like in these conversations, we kind of like end up with like, hey, what's the driving force? Like, what's the what's the big picture? But I feel like almost with you, it's like, let's start with the big picture and the why first, and then let's kind of drive down because you're kind of like, an, you're, it seems to be after all of your thinking, after all of your inquisitive sort of yeah. background, your curiosity, you've arrived at the point where it's like, all right, well, wait a minute. So the, the truths that were shared with me may or may not be true. So let me, let me decide for myself and then let me ultimately find out, well, what's the, what's the big picture here? What's the purpose of me right. being here? Right. So what have you arrived to based on all of that sort of? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. And, I, and I, I wish I had the answer. It changes quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I do really think just it's, it's really about having a, a really happy, fulfilled life and you want to, you want to feel like you tried your best um, and, and you really accomplished something. Mm -hmm. Um, but then at the same time, it's not about trying to accumulate, you know, a bunch of wealth so you can, I don't like the word retire. I don't think I don't anybody either. wants to, I mean, well, maybe people do, but I don't think of the goal as retire, but I think of it, you know, as, you know, just constantly staying busy with something that's important, challenging, pushing yourself, having fun. Um, but also, you know, I have three kids, right? So yeah. that's a big piece. Like I have a wife, so I'm, I'm looking at that as well, regularly making sure that they're growing up with the tools so that they can make decisions and live a happy life. I mean, yeah. all those things are important. Yeah. So. Well, and I, I have to, I would be remiss if I didn't kind of gloss, or if I, if I did gloss over the comment about retirement, because, you know, I think about that frequently too. You hear that all the time and it's like, well, you know, I only have a few more years until retirement or you know, when are you looking to retire or yeah. all of these different things. And, and maybe it's just kind of our mindset and just who we are as people, maybe we're a little bit different, but to me in retirement, you know, obviously who wouldn't like to relax every now and then? I mean, you like to relax, but I do firmly believe that human beings need purpose. We need yeah. something to build. We need 
challenges to overcome. It's like, you know, when you think about like health and I want to talk about health and what you've, what you've learned in terms of your own bio conditioning and all these different things. I mean, we were talking about sleep before we started the podcast. I'm like, wait, stop. We got to start this thing. Uh, we got so much gold coming out, but you know, it's interesting because if you think about like, you look at the correlation of death and retirement and it's pretty substantial and it is about purpose, right? I mean, does that resonate with you? Oh, hundred percent. And and I also think the challenge I have with retirement is you're assuming you're going to live for 30, 40 more years, right? right. You're going to assume you're going to live till 65 or 70, right? You're going to live until you have enough, what you think enough money you need that that's taking life for granted. Right. Yeah. So every day, you know, I honestly, when I wake up, I'm like, wow, I'm so lucky I'm alive. Right. Yeah. And when I go in the car or if I go for a bike ride, I wonder, I'm like, is something going to happen? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't let that stop me from doing anything, but I also recognize how fragile life is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I, I think we've all had, you know, either friends, family or families, friends or someone that's passed away unexpectedly yeah. and it gives you a wake up call. And so what you walk away from this is I can't postpone certain things that I want to do. I should just incorporate that into my life now. And if I'm unable to do that, then I have to be okay with the fact that they'll never happen. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I will. I want to talk about like kind of how you approach like your daily process, because you just gave us a little bit of insight in there. It's become a habit for you to wake up and just be like, man, I'm thankful to be alive. Yeah. As simple as it sounds. And we do, a lot of us take that for granted, you know? So talk to me about, I mean, is that, is that been a habit that you've installed? And then what else? I mean, how else does your kind of daily ritual look like? Yeah, I mean, I think it's come up just from a lot of reading. And I know yeah. we've talked a lot about books, but reading about stoicism yep. a little bit, um, you know, just getting in philosophy, reading about life journeys and things people have done when they reflect. Um, and then also just being in, in medicine, emergency room, and yeah. death is oh, a part yeah. of that, right? And, you know, the number of times where you've seen someone come in, um, you know, what I've come to realize everyone that most people that when they have a heart attack, we're not really preparing to have a heart attack. Yeah. Like <laughs> we're not planning for that to happen. So it's no. just, it, it happens. And, or, um, talking to friends who lost the parent overnight, right. And they never woke up because they had a silent yeah. heart attack. So you just, it's life is precious. And you, you I feel like you, especially now, right. It's October of this pandemic and you're reading sure. about tragedy, tragedy and people passing away. And it's hard sure. not to get anxious and overwhelmed with that either. But it, it, I think we're all human beings. Life is fragile. We just, we've got to be very appreciative that we're alive yeah. and healthy. Well, and that's a really good point that you make as far as like anxiety and, you know, kind of looking at, you know, I think if you look at the state of the world and you say, man, you know, your human mind or your monkey brain or your reptilian brain or however you want to describe it, will say, wow, there's a lot of bad things happening. There's a lot of bad stuff. There's a lot of negativity out there. There's a lot of you know, threats for my survival and for me kind of passing on my genes, which is what human beings, you know, to the, to the basis, you know, from an evolutional standpoint want yeah. to do. Right. So how do you manage your emotions? You know, when you're kind of sifting through this type of information and the state of the world, you know, and on the, and I will say on the flip side, you know, if you really kind of dig into it, it's like, you know what, we do have a lot of great things too, mm -hmm. but I'm just curious, you know, how do you manage your own emotions, whether it's from, external, you know, conditions, or maybe it's even challenges that you're dealing with in your life and yeah. in your business. So it's a couple. One, I, I started looking at what is triggering anytime I get anxious. So there's, I, I say one was social media triggers that quite a bit. And yeah. I think everyone's talked about that enough to know yeah. the reasons for that. Right. But you know, it's news is it's, you know, infotainment, 
you know, angertainment, right? <laughs> they, they just want to get you riled up for sure. And everything's become so polarized. So I've just, I really disconnect them from social media. And I've also made a rule that I'm not going to log into social media 90 minutes before bedtime because mm. there's no reason to be thinking about that. Yeah. Nor do I want to log into it the first 90 minutes of waking up. It's just, let's just save that for later, right? <laughs> yeah. We don't need it, right? It right. Be, maybe a distraction in the middle of the day if I need to, but otherwise it doesn't really serve a purpose. And then, so that was like the one, like just anxiety about the world and stuff I can't control. And then there's like, what makes me anxious at work? And really trying to go deep down into it. And what I realized was when someone tells me to just do something and I feel like they're just telling me to do it, it tends to make me upset, even if they're telling me the right thing. I'm with you. So I had to learn yeah. that about myself and say, okay, calm down. Why are you feeling like this sense to rebuke? And let's see, does this actually fit the broader mission? And two, this, these are just people. Like, yeah. I've done that too. Right. If Put your ego aside and figure that out. And then the third thing I realized too was what makes me anxious is when I have some sort of an impending deadline on, on a deliverable that I'm not really comfortable with doing. Mm -hmm. So then I've just started blocking in time to work on it and realizing just daily chipping at it will be yeah. better. And we all know that, but it's like, you have to be very conscious of doing it. Yeah. Um, and so I think all those things have helped. And then the last thing I think I would mention is actually a book that you gifted me, Sapiens. Yes. When you read about just how we evolved in time, you're like, we're actually in a better place than we were a hundred years ago. Yeah. You know, it's not just because of technology, but we are much more peaceful human beings than it might seem like. And so just the amount of things that could have taken place 70 years ago, even or a hundred years ago, you know, uh, compared to the rules and laws we have in place today. I mean, you know, our ability, ability to work, um, raise a family, have property and yeah. ownership and rights. I mean, that, that, didn't, that wasn't always there. I know that book blew me away. Yeah. I mean, and it's, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that one up just specifically, just cause that's another great reason why this conversation is so overdue is because the reason why I sent you that book is like, if anybody's going to appreciate this, yeah. it's a mom. And it is just, it's just fascinating because like, you know, there's so many different facets of that book and we could go in so many different rabbit holes talking about that, you know, but I think it goes back to the curiosity and the curiosity gives you additional tools too, yeah. right? It's like that curiosity, you can read that book and like, it's maybe just your intellectual or emotional curiosity to just kind of learn about history or, you know, the human race and all these different things. But then you start to recognize like, well, wait a minute, I can pull something out of here that's going to help me with, you know, anxiety or emotions. Mm -hmm. This is going to allow me to be more measured in how I act and how I lead and yeah. how I create impact, right? Oh, 100%. And, um, you know, I've, I've even realized sometimes, it, you've probably experienced this too, like the highs and lows of emotion, right? Like for sure. There's some days you wake up and you're just very enthusiastic and you're yeah. like, why am I so happy right now? <laughs> yeah. You're like, what, did I, what, what just yeah. happened? And you're yeah. like, you're like maybe I'm doing something right. This, it'll be like this every day. And then you have days you wake up and you're like, I don't want to do anything. I got nothing. Yeah. yeah what's yeah. going on? And you're like, wait, okay. This is where I start to buy the concept. There's just like some biochemical process that's taking mm -hmm. place. And it's like, okay, can I adapt this? Right? So if I mm -hmm. wake up with a really good high, can I calm that down? Mm -hmm. Just like if I wake up and not feeling great, can I work that out? You know, and how do I maintain like some level of stability? Yeah. And, and what are these factors that do it? Right? So what I've noticed is like, mm -hmm when I wake up on this high, it's like, okay, great. Let's go work out. Let's go do something active or, or I'm going to go play with my kids because this is the best time and let's just yeah. make, make good of it. And when I wake up sometimes, or if I'm not having a great day or I feel like somewhat depressed sometimes, it's like, get outside, go get some vitamin D, walk around, 
go go to the gym, maybe do a small workout, do something where you feel like you're going to be okay. So that's all that stuff I think has helped. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit more about that too, because like what I like about you, especially is that you've got the science behind also the awareness and the curiosity and leaning into discomfort. So like when you think about just like waking up and understanding your emotions and understanding beyond that, that there's science behind it. And it probably has to do with how you slept. It probably has to do with, oh, yeah. you know, how you showed up the day before, maybe even a compound of several days before that. And even decisions that you've made perhaps years prior. Yep. So, I mean, talk to me about the compound effect of all those things and how do you, how do you use the synthesis, synthesizing of all that information to act um, you know, for your future self. I mean, does that make sense? What I'm yeah, asking? yeah, I think, I think it's a couple of things, right? So one, you can have, you know, we talked about the aura ring, the, the yeah. Apple watches and stuff. So you can have this type of feedback, right? This biomechanical type feedback that you can look at. But I think really what it is, is just being kind of aware and present and just recognizing you're human. And then also just we have this pressure, I think we all put on ourselves, is like that I need to wake up and I need to be 100% every day. And then when you start realizing that when, you know, let's say when you're actively working out, sometimes you need a rest day, right? Yeah. So that happens with life too, right? So you have to be able to give yourself a break. Mm -hmm. and I think you just have to recognize that, hey, if I'm not going to be at peak performance day, it's okay. Let me just be at the capacity of my potential for today and own that, right? Yeah. Um, and we don't have to, like, we have a tendency to make ourselves feel bad, I think and put pressure on ourselves on us and i think pressure is good but I, I don't think we need to you know push ourselves to a point where we end up feeling like we're not going to perform i think that's a super valuable part of this conversation for a lot of the listeners because most people who listen to this show would consider themselves to be high performers strivers you know those who are looking to create massive results you know, A players or type A, you know, whatever. Yeah. And we all put pressure on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you feel like if you're, if you're kind of revving down the engines, you're like falling behind. And that's, it's important that you brought that up. I appreciate that. And one thing I think about too, is that, you know, like if you think about a vehicle or an automobile, like you can't just drive in first gear, second gear, no, third gear, yeah, like you have to, you got to shift down. Oh, that's a good, a good example. It's, it's just interesting, you know, and like, I also think about like polarity, you know, just the concept of polarity, like you can't have light without darkness mm -hmm. and like, you can't be a high performer without also recovering. Right? right. So what are some other strategies other than just being aware that you can't 100% always be on that you take to recover as well. Oh yeah. So I, I, it's like recognizing when I've been doing too much of one thing at a time and I need to pull back, I think it's been helpful. Um, I think for me, one thing sleeping outside is huge. Really? Oh my God. It, re it resets your clock. It resets everything. It, it just brings you back to what you're designed to be. Um, so if I go camping, I, I, last summer was hilarious because I had a tent pitched up in our backyard for probably six weeks <laughs> and, and neighbors, friends, our in-laws were in town. They just thought something was going on between me and Richie. Like, no, it's just like, I sleep so well because I mean, the sun goes down, there's no light and you're basically, your clock is told to go to bed. Mm -hmm. Sun comes up and you wake up and you feel refreshed. It's just very different than when you're inside all day. Um, so, you know, all these things have helped. And then um, also I, one of my employees gave me a hack that he does. Um, which I found very helpful is he, you know, four, four weeks of vacation every year. Mm -hmm. So he does one week with just him and his wife, um, one week with just himself and some friends, like a guy thing. And then two weeks as a family. 
And he said, that's been a really good formula that works for him. And I, I thought about that and I realized it's been very hard for me to take a vacation on my own without family, because I feel like when we take a vacation, I'll have more time to spend with them. And that's what it should be about. Yeah. But I, I started incorporating a few days here and there where it's just me by myself. Wow. And that's been really helpful to recharge. That's amazing. I've never heard that before. First of all, sleeping outside has definitely never been talked about on this show. Okay. So I like that. Um, so literally, we'll, we'll have to uh, we'll have to dive in perhaps a little bit more on, on why, what you're thinking is behind that. But, but the four weeks of vacation every year and then kind of and then drafting that out to each different sort of category or bucket. That's super powerful. I like that. So then you're not feeling guilty. It's almost, it kind of goes back to the thing we were talking about on recovery for high performers. You know, people feel guilty. It's like, well, I'm going to sleep four hours a night and I'm, you know, I'm going right. to work, you know, 20 hours a day because, you know, then I'm not going to feel guilty about getting away from my business or whatever it is that I'm doing. And, you know, it kind of goes back to that. And like, well, wait a minute, if I've already budgeted this, so to speak, then I can feel good about being present here with even like my guy friends, or, you know, if you're a female, like with your, with your female friends, you know, and like having yeah. that time with them and then just with your wife or your husband or your spouse or whatever that may be. And then kind of budgeting off. It's like, Hey, now let's put more of a priority on the family, which is great. I mm -hmm. love that. But I mean, is there anything else that you point to in terms of just kind of some other hacks or systems that you set up? Yeah. Well, see, you, um, congrats recently married. Thank you. Weeks ago. Okay. Yep. Yep. So here's a hack that we've recently incorporated that I think works well. So I don't know what the tendency, everybody, every couple is different, right? Right. But what I found is, you know, my wife and I are super busy during the day for various reasons. And then as we're like getting ready for bed, going to bed was when questions would come up, mm. right? Hey, what do you think of X, Y, and Z? Or should we do this with the kids school or this activity? Or what do you, I'm thinking about going out of town to visit my parents. Would you like to come? And I'm like, wow, I'm, I've been making decisions all day. Yeah. I'm so tired. Yeah. I'm, you know, decision fatigue right now. Yeah. And I'm turning my brain off to sleep and you're turning me on to think, mm -hmm. and I don't want to do that. And I'm not going to give you the answers you want because I don't have the information. I'm not prepared and ready to think. And two, I'm starting to be a little frustrated yeah. because I'm trying to sleep. Yep. So here's the hack. Okay. Every two weeks we pick a Saturday. And we go like around 2 or 3 p.m. or 2 p.m., I think, 2 to 6. We get a babysitter. Any questions we have for each other that require more than five minutes of thought, you write down that are not urgent. And we meet on the Saturday, and we crank it out. <laughs> we spend two hours. Like, she literally came the first day. It was hilarious. It was like two pages of questions. I was like, she's like, are you sure you want to do this? I was like, listen, I'm ready for this. Yeah. Like, I'm prepared. Yeah. Let's go. That's awesome. And same thing, you know, I have my questions for her. And we also, the rule is bring enough information so we can make a decision. Mm. So if you, if she says, hey, I was thinking of going on vacation here. Great. Are these dates open? Are flights available? Is there a few houses? What's the cost going to be? You know, et cetera. What are we going to do? Why is this good? You don't have to research it to death, but just have some talking points, right? Both sides. Yeah. And we like, so we spend the first two hours, like, let's just do work. Mm -hmm. And then we go to dinner and that is like the best dinner because now we've talked about all the work stuff and now we're having dinner as a couple again. Yeah. And literally there's like no agenda. Wow. That's awesome. And, and it's like, we don't have to burn through these things because we've already worked it out. Right. It's like, 
That's awesome. And I, I've seen that, you know, in our relationship with Katie and I is like, you know, we'll, we work so hard throughout the day. And then at the end of the day, we start to have these things like you got to figure out these, you know, questions, whatever the inevitables, right? And scheduling for tomorrow. It's maybe. so interesting. Yeah. You talk about decision fatigue, because I think that's, that's the thing that I wasn't able to put a phrase or word to. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that something that you've actually studied? And do you have any sort of insight on that? Or just more so? I think I've experience? read through it. And yeah. then I've recognized it with myself, too, when I have busy days. And then, you know, it'll be like, my wife will ask me, how's your day? Was it busy? Yes. <laughs> Why was it busy? Right? I know. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I was in a lot of meetings. Yeah. Or I was making a ton of decisions. Right or, you know, just trying to digest a lot of information, but I'll recognize it, especially when it's like, Hey, what do you want to do for dinner? I'm like, I don't really <laughs> I know. I'm like Oh my gosh. It's like, are we brothers or what? I'm like, biologically, I don't have to eat. I'll yeah. be fine. I can yeah. go to bed and I might right. be a little hungry, but I'll be fine. Right. I'm intermittent fast. Right. That's yeah. easier. Say yeah. nothing. Or a protein bar. You're like, I got nothing left. Yeah. I can't. It's I like, don't know. Yeah. yeah. If we have something, I'll eat it. Yeah. Not, I'm fine. Yeah, I know that I find that myself where it's like, I, I got nothing. Like, where do you want to go? Or what do you want to do? It's like, I don't know, like cereal. I have no idea. I mean, yeah. I, I don't, I don't eat cereal, but you know what I mean? No. And I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, no, that's, that's important. And the thing, like what we do and you pushing the boundaries, it's all about making decisions. It's about being thoughtful. And like one of the greatest quotes that I think of is Tony Robbins when he said, Dis, you know, our destiny is shaped by the decisions we make, yeah. right? And so when you have decision fatigue, it's interesting to, to implement that type of hack, you know, for your primary relationship. But then also, I'm sure there's many other hacks that you do with your, with your kids, with the people that you lead as well. But I, I do want to talk about just you being sort of an impact driven type of an individual. So talk to me about like, what are you looking to accomplish in the healthcare space? Yeah. I'm really interested in this. Yeah, no, I, I yeah. think that's a really good question. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm an ER doctor, right? And yeah. so I finished my training in 2009 started practicing in Chicago, uh, community hospital style side knife gun club, um, which wow. I really enjoyed um, because I just, I saw the most vulnerable patients yeah. and I was like, I'm going to help them. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do really good high cutting medicine. And about a year into it, I didn't feel like I was making a difference because I started seeing the breakdown of healthcare and I started seeing a lot of patients because of, you know, unable to get their medications, poor access to care, can't see the primary care doctor. That's when I started learning a little bit about incentives. And so when I talk about fee-for-service to value-based care, what that means is, you know, you go see a doctor, if they see 40 patients in a day, they get paid more than the guy that sees 20. Yeah. So it's a volume game. But if the guy that's seeing 20 patients a day is providing better care and keeping you out of the hospital, that doctor doesn't get paid more, right? But the system is saving. Right. And you're benefiting. So what if I could pay that doctor more money for keeping you out of the hospital and actually encourage him to see, or her, to see less patients and not filter today. So actually problem. healthcare rather than sick care. Yeah. What a concept. Right, right. Yeah, you can instead of volume can, right? Yeah, so yeah. That, that whole thing, right? So yeah. that's where I've, I've come to learn that since joining Humana, but when I was practicing and I saw the breakdown, and then I also saw a lot of health innovation technology, which I loved, and I, but I also noticed that not always, like the user is not always involved in the process creation. So they'll, they'll be presenting something to me as, as a physician. I'm like, this doesn't fit my workflow. Yeah, or, I don't know what I'm gonna do with this information. Why don't you work with us and create something together? So anyway, my mission really, and then um, we had just had our first child, our son. And I remember thinking, what's the story I tell him, right? Yeah. In 20 years, hey, your dad, you know, was really frustrated with medicine, but he stuck with the job for 20 years so he could feed you. 
um, and live, you know, a suboptimal life <laughs> from his career because, you know, I did this for you. I'm like, that's not a story. Mm-hmm. I want to say, hey, he took a risk and he walked away from this full-time clinical job where yeah. he has, you know, $150,000 of medical loans and said, I'm going to do something different and fix it. And wow. I said, I want to do just one thing that I can say, hey, I helped shape this in healthcare, like yeah. nationwide. And I don't know what that one thing is, but just something where I can be proud of and say, I helped make a difference. Yeah. And that was the mission um, that caused me to move. And now, you know, it's a journey, right? Yeah. You don't know what it's going to be. You don't know how you're going to get it, who you're going to do it with. Um, and, you know, this, I don't know if this would be a question or not, but it's like, it was a series of informal interviews. Mm-hmm. And so like the power of networking. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, when you talk about networking, nine out of 10 people probably say, I hate networking. Right? <laughs> they don't like the word. No, it sounds it, nasty. The, net, the word sounds horrible. Yeah. But, you know, when I read about that, I realized, like, oh, okay, I'm not the only one. So everyone's uncomfortable. Okay, so let's just find a way to make this fun. Let's take yeah. the pressure off of it. And let's get to know <laughs> Gamify. people. And yeah, exactly. And so, and then the other thing was in, when trying to transition, you never want to go to somebody that you never met and ask for a job, right? Or say, can yeah. you help me do this? But it's more of a, you're doing something that sounds cool and interesting. I just want to learn about it because I'm just curious. And let's just meet. And so that, I did probably 60 of those things mm-hmm. in, in Chicago, just meeting with random people it through a network, um, not trying to sell myself, just, I'm just learning to see what you're doing and how you're doing it. And so then I could figure out what area of healthcare I want to get into. Hmm. You know, I, I want to make a quick comment on that because I find it fascinating. And if you think about it, it's like to be interesting, you have to be interested, right? And yeah. you almost naturally did it through that process. Oh, and it was just, yeah. it was just your curiosity that was interested in other people, which then I would imagine as a part of that journey, you know, people started to become influenced by you. It's like, you know, how to win friends and influence people, you know, as corny as that title of that book is, it's a really good book. It's an extremely powerful book. And, you know, when you talk to someone else, if you talk about them, they're going to tell you it's the best conversation they've ever had. And I would imagine you had a series of those that compounded. So talk to me about that, how that whole process worked out, what sort of unexpected things happened to you as a part of that process? Um, Oh, unexpected. So, I mean, the process when I remember when it started was, going to and this was in chicago when you have this huge healthcare ecosystem opening so going to a lot of events where you don't know anybody and it seems like everyone knows somebody right and everyone's talking and you're uncomfortable <laughs> yeah and then you're like that, that awkward person like approaching a group yeah. you know they're looking at you like please don't come <laughs> talk to me and you do and yeah. you're like hey and then you know it, just, it was just it was interesting um to go through that process but then you start finding some of the same common people and you get to know them and you start learning about them and then you offer help uh to support if they it's like oh you're a physician we'd love to hear about your point of view on this happy to help happy to share and then you realize like everyone is just trying to figure it out like no one has the answer and so then you feel even better about it like we're all in this together some shape you know and so even if someone is on stage presenting they've all either gone through it or they're going through it right now um it's just where you are in the journey and so and i think people are most part they want to be helpful they want to work with you and so i think that that was helpful that's one thing i've noticed too is that you know it's kind of a it it lowers the bar a bit when you recognize that everybody's just trying to figure it out and no one really knows at all no one knows everything no one knows hardly anything if you really think about it i mean you know the more that you learn the more you realize you don't know which is a great part of curiosity and i think it's a great humility sort of stoker within our ourselves and um, i find it to be fascinating um and i would love to know i mean like you know with just kind of 
striving for such a big change. I mean, you're really like one of the hugest components of, you know, the economy is the healthcare. And obviously, at the end of the day, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything. And so what you're doing is so profound. I mean, are you finding there to be a ton of headwinds and opposition to what you're trying to do based on an institutional, you know, opposition or, or otherwise? Are you seeing any of that? It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, um, yes and no, I would say. I think in theory, everyone's aligned with what the, we're trying to do because you're really just trying, you know, healthcare is unique. You've got the patient, the physician, and the payer, right? So the physician ends up being, or sorry, the patient is the consumer mm -hmm. of the product. Yep. The physician is the decision maker. Mm -hmm. And then the insurance company is the payer. And if they're not all three in line, someone's going to lose out. Yeah. Right. So if you yeah. can just align everything, then I feel like everybody wins. Right. And mm -hmm. I think most people agree with that. I think most patients would agree with that. I think most doctors would agree with that. And I think payers are aligned to that too. Right. The challenge though is on how do you get there? Right. And what has to change and how do people change? Cause some are going to yeah. have to make a fundamental change um, to their current process. And so I think that's where you see the challenge is cause everyone's, a little bit uncomfortable with what the short term looks like in, in their path to the long term. And yeah. So. One thing I just from an outsider's perspective, looking in, I, I think about like the pharmaceutical industry and big pharma and, you know, being probably, I would imagine a, a an opponent to what you're looking to do. I, maybe yeah. I'm wrong. Um, you know, because if you think about it, you know, I don't know, this could be a controversial statement, but you know, big pharma doesn't want, you know, these underlying issues to be solved. It seems right. they'd rather, they'd rather treat the, the symptoms. Cause if you look at the, the dollars in this business, I mean, it's absolutely insane. And, um, you know, could you speak about that? I mean, is there any, any, you might have a conflict to talk about that, but I'm just curious, any thoughts there? No, I mean, I think it's, it's hard to group all of pharma into one thing, right. And then the way they've tack, tackling certain areas, but you know, I think fundamentally Pharma is really designed to come up with medications to treat a disease, right? They're yeah. not in the disease prevention space and there's plenty of disease to go around. I think the challenge that we're seeing with pharma is, um, and this might also be in the R and D, you know, process required in the FDA approvals. I mean, we've also put in front of them a lot of series of uh, requirements to get something approved and, and safety measures. So just look at what we're doing with the, like the COVID vaccine that we're working on and how rapidly we're moving that, yeah. Right. But like, why can't that be as rapid for other drugs or other medications? Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm not saying it needs to be that fast, you know, but I mean, it just, there's probably some inefficiencies that we can work out and yeah. that gets priced into pharma. But I think also, yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, I think pharma has gotten used to, you know, the patient may or may not have to pay the full amount. So the payer will, they'll hit their max out of pocket. So let's charge a lot, especially if it's a, you know, specialized medication or, or drug for a few people. To justify but i think there's probably a lot of room for improvement <laughs> yeah pharma does business and, yeah you know. well outside of that i mean outside of thinking about sort of depending on large companies for your health and for your vitality i mean you know i know that you're as being such a curious individual being a high performer yourself i'm sure that you've applied certain practices you know to optimize your own health i mean is yeah. there anything that you would speak to specifically that really sets you up for high performance, for, you know, energy, for vitality, longevity, all these things. Yeah. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. I, I think there's a lot more I could do too. I, yeah. I think I've, I've kind of gone up and down in my, my performance. Um, but, you know, a few things I've noticed is, you know, just, we were talking about the aura ring before yeah. we started and just, so I've really gotten really interested in, in my sleeping habits mm -hmm. and I've noticed that, 
I get a lot of my REM sleep, you know, between hours of 5.30 and 6.30. And, but naturally I want to be an early riser. Yeah. You know, I, you know, in med school, I used to wake up like at 4.30 <laughs> and like study and work out before class. And I love that. Right. And so even lately I was trying to wake up like five, especially with um, the pandemic, just to keep yeah. up some sort of schedule. Mm -hmm. um, but I noticed I wasn't getting my full sleep. Right. And then first I was like, I'm going to power through this because I can do it. And, I, and I, I read about so many other people doing this and it's like the 5 a.m. club. Yeah. Kobe Bryant, right? I'm here because of 4 a.m. It's like, I know, yeah, I have to do this. And I was like, well, hold on. <laughs> I've got three little kids. They're all at home. And, you know, they wake me up in the middle of the night. It's like, wait, I need to adapt to my lifestyle and yep. I need to be a good parent. So I, you know, I've, I've found it okay, right? To just sleep in a little bit and then make efficiencies during the day. I find it okay if I need to take a nap for like 15, 20 minutes to take a nap. So I, you know, I'll say like, these are basic things that I'm doing, but another thing I've also recognized is the importance of cardio mm. and, and being active and working out. And so it's less about, I want to work out because of the physique. I mean, that was a big driver too, yeah. looking good, being in shape, but it's also now I've noticed that if I need to perform in my job, you know, with Humana, be present in meetings, um, perform at home and you have that energy, I have to be working out and I have yep. to work out, you know, a few days a week, if not like every single day. Mm -hmm. So whether I feel like it or not, I have to go to the gym or do something. Yeah. Um, and so I've really been conscious about making sure something takes place. Um, I feel, I couldn't agree more. I mean, one of the things that, um, you know, when I, I've, I've always been interested in fitness and committed to my own, you know, physique and just staying committed. But I think I definitely turned it up significant notches when I recognized how much better I could perform professionally and just in all aspects of my yeah. life, just with mental clarity and energy. I mean, like, it's, it's really interesting. You talk about energy. I mean, like we were talking about previously about sleep and how, you know, how your sleep impacts how you feel the next day, but also, you know, how you sleep is how you acted that day and the day before mm -hmm. and so on and so forth, not only from a, you know, dietary, you know, but also your activity from a cardiovascular standpoint yep. and so, so on and so forth. But I mean, it, it's, it's fascinating to me. I mean, is there anything new that you're implementing, you know, otherwise, yeah. I mean, outside of, I know sleeping and obviously being thoughtful of the timing, which I think is really important because we all, you hear the 5 a.m. club all the time. And I'm all about, you know, early risers, if, if that makes sense for you. And I think everybody's different too. It's right. not like one size fits all. So I mean, is there anything else that you've yeah. implemented? Yeah, a few things. Um, and, and this is, you know, stuff everyone's heard before, but I, I really try not to eat two hours before bed. Yeah. You know, if I can go longer, even that's good. Um, before pandemic, I was really doing a lot of intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. um, I found that harder to do at home, when, <laughs> but it's like, I, I need to do that more, but yeah. not eating two hours before bed. And then I've also really significantly modified my alcohol intake because mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I enjoy having drinks, um, different types. I was a mixologist in med school, so I was really attending for a little bit. Um, so I just have fun making cocktails, but you know, I also noticed with the aura ring that, Hey, my heart rate variability increases if I've had drinks the night before. Yeah. My sleep is impacted. So it's not just, I wake up not feeling as great, but like, it's actually having a negative impact on my health and I'm seeing it right now versus yeah. what I read about in school. And so I've shifted that as well. So if I'm going to go out and have a few drinks, it's like, it's better to start, you know, early and end by like six thirty-seven or eight yeah. o'clock at the latest, like just try not to have anything after that and, and really limit the amount, right? Like two to three. Yeah. Just, if you have more, it's just, you're going to ruin the next day. Totally. 
Yeah, it's really interesting when you start to track that stuff and you start to get really specific on it, you can really become more conscious and aware of how that actually is impacting you. Yeah. So anybody that's listening, absolutely take, you know, the advice um, that you're hearing about, you know, try it out, test it out for yourself. I mean, if you're right. having, you know, more than two, three drinks of alcohol in, a, in an evening, you start to recognize, hey, you know what, I'm really not showing up as well the next day. Well, then there's probably a correlation. Same thing as it relates to eating, you know, two, two hours before bedtime. And obviously, you know, shout out to Matthew Walker. If you haven't read the book, um, you know, why we sleep, I highly recommend it because it's super illuminating in terms of how important sleep is and all of the different components, whether it's deep sleep, REM sleep, NREM sleep, and, you yeah. know, light sleep and all these different things and what it does to your neurochemistry and bio, you know, biology and all these things. So super fascinating. But as somebody, you know, like yourself, who's so curious, like me, I think this is why we're like kindred spirits, you know, how, how are you continuing to you know, not only be curious about like yourself and your own capacity, but like, how else are you investing in your own personal growth? Oh, um, so recently I um, was able to get an executive coach. Um, oh, really? So That's awesome. That, like two weeks ago. That's so, awesome. Yeah, I've been really excited about having one. And it, just like you would have, a, you know, a fitness coach or any coach in life or anything, I think it's important to have. And then two, I've I've started, you know, with this whole idea of self-care. So I'm making sure I'm, I'm carving out time to read. Yeah. Um, regularly. Um, I had this pressure of trying to, you know, when I'm done with work, go do family stuff and then go to bed. And I wasn't really carving time out for myself. Yeah. So making sure to read and then also making sure to journal, I think has been super helpful. Mm. And so, um, whatever. So I haven't had live TV for like 12 years. <laughs> and so two weeks ago, I finally signed up for Hulu yeah. so I could watch football. <laughs> you know, I was like, I, I just, I miss it. And I didn't yeah. realize how much I missed it. You know, and so what I started doing on Sundays, which has been really fun, is like I'm there. I have my notebook, a journal, I've got a book, laptop, and I'm just like doing some passive work while the TV's in the background. But mm. then I'm able to write and and read and and also watch some football. I'm like, this is fun, and I'm enjoying yeah. it now. And it's it's like I I have never done that like in a long time. That's right? awesome. Just dedicate time to myself and. And I had like a small TV just kind of outside in the porch area. So I'm outside too. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, like, it's great. It's like, Man, you need, only thing you're missing is your tent. I know. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I want to talk about a few of these things, but you know, one of, one of which I just want to highlight, I mean, obviously, you know, everything that you're doing professionally and obviously you're continuing to build a real estate portfolio as well, which we'll talk a little bit about, mm -hmm. um, but still carving out and finding time for journaling, for reading. Yeah. Um, for, you know, hiring a coach to really kind of bring yourself to that next level, hiring an executive coach, and then mixing it with a little bit of pleasure from football perspective. I love that. I mean, would you talk to any of the folks, you know, there's a lot of people who say, I just don't have time to read. Like, I got kids. I got, I got all these things. Like, I don't have time for that. I mean, talk to those people. What would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you're just putting a lot of pressure on yourself that you have to read for an hour or something. Like, it, you're glamorizing it, right? I mean, reading is literally could take five minutes. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to do a lot. I mean, it's so every time you're on your phone and doing something that's non-essential, just think about if you had a book instead mm. and how would that be? So if you're ever going to a restaurant, let's say meeting someone up, take a book while you wait for them. Right. Or, um, mm. yeah, I mean, there's like plenty of time to do it. When I take my son now, he's started doing uh, baseball. So if his team's batting and he's sitting in the box, I'm going to read. <laughs> like, I don't have to, you know, watch seven-year-olds learning how to play baseball <laughs> it's, it's, that's yeah. my, this is my son out there <laughs> right so i'm gonna read it's like take right. a book there yeah um there's plenty of downtime you'll have like where you're waiting for something where you, i think you can read 
and, and literally just look at your phone. You can download apps that tell you how much time you're spending on your phone and on social media, cut that time out, replace it with a book yeah. or a journal and you, you'll be reading way more than you think. And then the other thing is um, not everything needs to be read with an actual book, like podcasts, like what you're doing, yeah. um, audible, you know, I was shocked. I've been, I've had audible for a number of years and somebody asked me for book recommendations. So I pulled up audible and I was shocked at how many books I've read um, through audible over the past several few years. I mean, it was like 40, 50, 60 books. Yeah. I, I've completely forgot. I've read that many, um, which is, you know, commuting, Yeah. you know, being on the train or being on a plane waiting for stuff. There's a lot of time where we're just waiting. So, yeah, no, that's important. I think it, that's a really great highlight for this discussion is noticing time where you're really wasting, yeah. you know, you're really wasting. And then the other thing too, is like, we get drawn into the phone, right? Yeah, it's no. a, it's a neurobiological biological sort of process. And, and obviously I'm way out of my realm when I say that, but you know, we're getting programmed by these massive organizations that yeah. know exactly what they're doing. They're drawing us in. So let's, let's snap out of it. Let's right. recognize that we're probably wasting a lot of time and we think we have no time, but guess what there it's right there. And what can you do to switch that to a more empowering habit? I think that's extremely powerful. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about your journaling process. I mean, what does that look like and how does that serve you? Yeah, so I've done a few things. So, and, and some have been prompted by whatever book I'm reading at the time yeah. too. But, um, you know, even just at the end of the night, you know, simple, like journaling could have a big term, big word associated to it, right? The simplest thing is that leaving a notebook by your, your um, bed when you're sleeping. So when a thought arises, of either a task you need to do or an idea you have, you just write it down and then go to bed mm -hmm. and not have to hold it. Like we have a tendency to try yeah. to hold thoughts yeah. and, and manage them and you don't need to. Yeah. So I just, I write them down and there's a book I read, um, the art, uh, no, so getting things done. Yes. Right. Shout yeah. out to David Allen. Who's yeah. been on the podcast. Oh, you've had that. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, getting things done. So it's like, <laughs> well, it, it reminded me of the quote that he said, it was like, your mind is meant for having ideas, not holding them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly right. So yeah. yeah, you know where I'm going with this. So oh, yeah. yeah. So it was just like, let me just write everything down. And then I, you know, I have a, a secretary now that helps with my calendar. Yeah. I used to be able to tell you every single meeting and what time and who it's going to be with for like the next three weeks. <laughs> not because I wanted to, but because I was scheduling everything and yeah. I just remember it. Yeah. Now I could not tell you what my Monday looks like <laughs> and I love it. Like I have an idea yeah. of where I'm going to be at and I review it, but I don't need to memorize all this stuff. I yeah. just, you know, I review the calendar and I make sure the right people are at the meeting and then I'm, I'm done with it. That's interesting. I love that because, you know, I ask about journaling and sometimes I think people have this idea that journaling is this huge grand process. It's like, man, that's overwhelming. I'll get to that when I get a moment. I'll, I'll figure out journaling at some point in the future. But what you're saying is it doesn't have to be this huge complex process. Just get ideas out of your mind and just let your mind be free to right. be more creative and thoughtful, right? Yeah. Just be done with it. Yeah. And then, um, you know, so that's like the simple thing I do. And then sometimes I'll sit down and, and reflect on the week and yeah. just write down what I thought went well, what didn't, yep. um, you know, but that's not, that doesn't have to be daily or even weekly, just right. w whenever the time comes. And then there's always milestones too. So I, yep. every, I turned 40 a few months ago. That's awesome. Happy and birthday. So, oh, thanks. Yeah. So what I was the most excited about. You're over the hill about, now, I think. Yeah, I that's what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> but so I was most excited about was, Hey, I just want three hours of myself in the morning. Yeah. So I can just think. Right. And like, I really just wrote down like, Hey, what's the past decade been like, mm. what's going on this year? What am I looking for? What do I want to do in the next 10 years? So it wasn't, it was just a fun exercise. That is fun. So you just think through it. And, and, and honestly, I wrote it with a sense of accomplishment, right? Like not like I need to improve, but like, Hey, 
let's reflect on the 10 years. We can talk yeah. about the bad, but let's also talk about the good. Yeah. And everything we've done, you know, like me, my wife, my family together, yeah. career, everything. Yeah. And then, hey, if I was going to try and think what next 10 years look like, and not really like necessarily goal setting, but just like, how can I continue to maintain like a happy, fulfilling life? And what mm-hmm. does that look like? Just being, you know, thoughtful. It was just enjoyable and yeah. fun to do. That is fun, man. And that's one thing that I've started to do too is reflect more and reflect on a, you know, when I can on a daily basis and say, you know, what went well today? What didn't go well today? When did I go unconscious today so that I can remain as conscious as possible and I can improve, right? And not put pressure on myself, but just reflect and see what's happening. Because sometimes life moves fast, man. And I know it, it moves fast. It seems like I can't believe we're in October of this year already. I can't believe that it's 2020. I can't believe it's already going to be 2021 here shortly and all of these things. But then looking back, you know, even on a decade, I've never done that myself. And looking back on a decade, I can only imagine how profound that experience was. Yeah. And really starting, like you probably felt so much gratitude for how much progress you made. Right. I felt gratitude and I felt actually a lot of gratitude for my wife too. Cause I was like, wow, the stuff we had to do over the past 10 years, (laughs) Had been so hard, and if I yeah. had to tell her this is what the life would be like, she probably wouldn't have married me. <laughs> I mean, she would have, but it would have been like, wait, what? We're gonna do what? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, like, even making the career choice of moving away. So when I was practicing full time and and trying to find, you know, like something to do in the, in the healthcare administration side, I thought I could continue to practice, and I would just walk into a job like, hey, you're a smart guy, you, you've done business before yeah no way no nobody cares (laughs) it's like it took forever and then what i realized when i was doing this informal networking is i had to make myself available i couldn't expect people to have availability around my er schedule yeah so i had to cut down on shifts and income Mm. before i knew i had a plan to replace that wow and so when i did that and made the decision to cut down on income and then make a decision to go to mba school and pay for mba school it's like hey um we're not going to be able to live in downtown Chicago anymore in our condo. I mean, we yeah. could, but then I'm not going to be able to do this right. Right. So we're going to go move in with my parents um, for a few months and figure this out. End up being two years. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Two kids, <laughs> you know, one kid and two kids living with my parents in their house. It was just tough. Right. Yeah. And it was harder for my wife because I was commuting to the city and, you know, getting an MBA and doing meetings and traveling for work now when wow. I became a consultant at Accenture. So anyway, it was, it was a hard two years and one where I think we just don't always, I think we've forgotten a lot about the day to day in those two years, Yeah, but it was hard, but it honestly, it really shaped a lot for the future. And it, it, it almost makes me think of, you know, the other concept that we, we, we tend to overestimate what we can achieve in one year and underestimate what we can achieve in a decade. Did you also see that by looking back and think, yeah. wow, so much more actually happened than we anticipated. Did yeah, you see that? yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, or you know, it's just it, it happened differently than what you would have thought it would have happened. Yeah, right. Like I, I did not would never predict I would live in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah, right. And nothing yeah. against Louisville, Kentucky. Just sure, it wasn't a state that had anything to I had anything to do with. Right. I never thought I'd work at an insurance company like Humana. Yeah, you know, it's emergency medicine, not to worry about insurance. And now I'm you know fully embedded in it. So. Mm-hmm. All these things were unpredictable. Um, but, you know, I think Steve Jobs um, made a quote around this too, right? It's like hard to look in the future and see what it's going to look like and, and connect the dots or like, you know, draw a line. But when you look in the back, you can see how the dots connect. Right? Yeah, for sure. Back, yeah. Right? And nothing's linear, right? Yeah. And so 
um, I think that's what was neat about is seeing like how all these little things and experiences that you had for better or worse kind of culminated to where you're at today. Yeah. So also one of the things I think is so powerful about reflection is that it allows you to create more of a vision as well and maybe even course correct that vision for the future, even if you are more so connecting the dots in the rear view mirror than, you know, than your front, you know, windshield, so to speak for this metaphor. Um, you know, how did that, how did that process allow you to create a vision for the next 10 years? Oh, you know, that's interesting too. Yeah. It, 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 First, I think having the sense of gratitude and sense of accomplishment and feeling okay to be happy. Um, because I think, you know, again, as trying to be high performers and especially the more, you know, people you listen and hear about, the more feel like you can do more. Yeah. It's hard to sometimes recognize that, hey, you've done a lot and, yeah. and you should be happy. Yeah. And then level set on what you want to really accomplish which you versus what you think you need to accomplish, right? So I think that was a big difference. So even though looking back on the 10 years and looking at, various levels of income and, and work and stress. One thing I always noticed is that we were able to maintain like happiness, right? We were like, and so what were those components? And so when I look at the next 10 years is like, okay, I may not know exactly where I'm gonna end because you can't control that either. Because if I made a 10 year plan at 30, I wouldn't be doing it right now. Sure. Right? So, and then it's like about the process versus yeah. like the outcome. And so just in making sure that whatever you're doing, you're enjoying what it is you're doing without feeling like it has to get to, you know, point B, for example. Yeah. And, you know, the other piece too is like, you know, if you could, you could have just stuck with comfort, right? Yeah. You, you could have, you could have done the thing that was more certain and stayed that path and been able to provide, you know, a good life, perhaps even a, a, a way above average life than you could have otherwise, but you took a risk based on the purpose from looking within and saying, you know what? I want to make my life about something more. And I just find that to be extremely inspiring. Yeah. And I think everybody listening today has the opportunity of asking themselves that question, right? What yeah. is it that's really speaking to me? Well, you, you did the same thing. I mean, you know, you, you had a really good job and you're making a name, um, working at a very reputable company, but you're like, I want to create something on my own. Yeah. And that was a huge risk, especially in a small town market where everyone knows everyone. For sure. And I mean, you know, I, I mean, that could be a whole nother conversation around how yeah. you went and did that, but so when you talk about like being comfortable, it's like to everyone else, what you're doing seemed comfortable. Yeah. You know, great job doing real estate. But if you weren't happy, then it wasn't really stable, safe or comfortable. Right. Right. You knew what else was on the other side. And now it looks like a risk to everyone else. But to you, you're like, this is a no brainer. Cause if I don't do it, I'm going to be stable paycheck unhappy. And For who sure. wants that? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a brief time out from this show, this incredibly mind expanding discussion to speak to the high achievers, the high performers. I wanted to speak to those who have a burning desire to go to the next level and beyond. First of all, I hear you and I see you. When I got started as a real estate entrepreneur, fresh out of my W2 corporate job, I was excited and jubilant to create and design my future. At the same time, my business and life was filled with confusion, filled with fear, doubt, uncertainty, and to be honest with you, sometimes even sleepless nights and hopelessness, even while experiencing what many would have considered substantial success. Ultimately, I mustered up the courage to hire one of the world's top high-performance business coaches to work directly with me on creating strategies, systems, and profound shifts towards accelerating my multifaceted performance and to become an industry leader. After years of investing significant resources into myself and in my business through this process, I am now paying it forward as a high performance coach to those who feel called to elevate to the extraordinary. 
wherever you are right now, you know, deep down that you have it within you to be great. If you're someone who's seriously looking to elevate your business, your real estate portfolio, your cash flow, your deal flow, your network, your net worth, your lifestyle, and ultimately your life right now and ongoing for the rest of your life, I have a message for you. Because if that's you, then I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. I have limited coaching spots available to guide people like you who want to substantially close the gap from where you are to where you want to be. These are first come, first serve, and demand high-touch, one-to-one focus from me directly to you. And this is not for everyone. This is only for those who are decisive, committed, and willing to do whatever it takes. It's only for those willing to play full out and invest time, energy, and resources into themselves to achieve greatness in real estate investing and beyond, which is what we're all about on this podcast. This is for those defiantly inspired for transforming as an empowered, limitless, and unstoppable human being in full control of their and their business's future. If that is you, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com where you can apply for this life-changing opportunity. We will then schedule a discovery session where we will directly discuss what's working, not working, and how we can work together to accelerate your future. With that said, enjoy the rest of the show. You know what? I think risk can be an illusion too. Oh, yeah. A lot of people think that they're in you know, non-risky positions, but perhaps they're not fully aware of how risky it is to not take a risk. Exactly. So um, I love that. And thank you for inspiring me and many other people with all of that. But let's talk a little bit about real estate just briefly. And I want to be super respectful of your time. But how has real estate played a role sort of in creating the life that you have now and, and as you continue to step into the next phases of your life? So I, I like to compartmentalize a lot of different things, and I, especially in finance. So like, what am I doing to pay for certain things, right? And, and so this came up um, a few years ago. Um, so I you know, went to med school, so obviously I have a lot of student debt. And I consolidated a lot. I paid off the high interest rate once first, but now I have you know, I had maybe $96,000 of debt left at a pretty low interest rate. And thought was, do I chip away at this really quickly and try and get rid of the debt? You know, because you get excited about people who post about, hey, I paid off my last. <laughs> right. <laughs> I kind of want that feeling. Because right now, my scheduled payments will have me done at 55, right? Okay. So it's a long time to be having yeah. debt. Then I said, well, okay, I could, let's say I, I have a check for 100,000. Did I send it to my, to the school loans and pay it off? And now the loans are done, but the 100 grand is gone. Or I put hundred grand into real estate, right? And if that real that hundred grand is producing equity on let's say three hundred thousand dollar property, right, and it's providing cash flow to pay off the student loan, then it's like, well, where will I be in ten years, right? Now I'll still have the hundred grand plus more equity, and my loans will be paid off. So it just seemed kind of like obvious to me. Yeah. Like why would I pay off bad debt? I mean, low debt or good debt. When I can invest that same money and have that asset pay off my student loans. I mean, you're you're just looking at it and say, all right, well, what's the you know what's the opportunity cost, right. right? It's like, all right, well, I can either either eliminate this debt that has a certain percentage interest rate you know tied to it, or I can go out earn that interest rate by investing in income producing assets, right? And yeah. and I'm not doing anything risky. I'm not betting on a stock you know yeah. that I can't really control, but I'm buying good income producing properties, you know, family, real residential real estate that, and I'm, I'm also approaching this as I'm going to provide a good home for somebody, yeah. right? Not shortchange them. I want them to be happy. Um, and then at the end, like when I'm 55, the loan will still be paid off, but now I'll still have a whole income generating asset that's even more paid off. Yeah. Right. And Absolutely. so 
I've also thought this process through of like, there's this whole pressure of, I need to save up for my kids yeah. um, when they go to college. So I have mixed feelings on that. But my other thought was like, what if I just get uh, a property for each child? Yes. Not, like not necessarily put in their name, but meaning mentally the way I think about their college education. So I can, again, try and put thousands of dollars away in a 529 or a separate yeah. account um, for them and try to feel like I need to save up this like nest egg, whatever that is right. for each child right. put under pressure. Or I can make a one-time payment and, and buy a, it could be a single condo, single home, whatever it is. Yeah. Just buy it. Knowing that in 20 years, that it will be close to paid off depending on the loan financing and the terms. And then let that cash flow help go towards a student loan. And maybe the, maybe my child can manage that yeah. too and learn about money. Yeah. And then maybe they can own it later. I don't know, but. That's amazing. And uh, what a great idea to plant in the minds of all the listeners here, because, you know, there's so many different approaches you can take. And this is absolutely a, a great approach. And one thing I love too, is that, not only are you you being thoughtful in terms of all right, well, this could be for each child in terms of their future for their future education, but also allowing your tenants, your residents, to assist in really kind of paying down that debt, and yeah. also the tax strategy that comes along with that, also the cash flow that comes along, you know, along the way. So there's so many different benefits, and I love that. I mean, are you seeing your 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 strategy evolving at all now at where you're at in your career, or you know, you it's 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 evolved and probably not the way. Um, you might be expecting to hear because the, the, again, the general thought was like, I need to have 80 units or hundred units. Yeah, yeah. Especially I listen to bigger podcasts, yeah. bigger pockets. And you're like, wow, these guys are accumulating so much real estate. Yeah. And it's like, wait, let me just decide what actually works for me. Yeah. And what do I actually need versus what I think I want? Yes. Right. And so I, I'm very comfortable with having, you know, a, a property tied to each kid's education, maybe a few other extra properties that would pay for my rent you know, for my mortgage, whatever that is. Yeah. And then maybe something that produces a little bit extra cash. Yeah. But I don't need much more than that. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to want to strive for that, but you know, I I don't like the term passive income because there's no real never passive. passive. Yeah, exactly. So I I don't know why people say that. I I need it. I agree. It's not passive. Even if I invest with you, it's still not going to be passive, right? Right. I'm still going to want to be involved. Exactly. Um, But so, you know, I think of it as like, Anytime I invest in something, it's going to require some effort. And so how much effort do I want to put in for what the benefit is? Yeah. And, you know, I'm not a full-time real estate person. Um, so I, I'm not trying to own, you know, millions and millions of dollars of property. Yeah. But, you know, a few million would be okay. Absolutely. I think it's doable. Though. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, just, let's not get pressured by what we think is acceptable in society, right? Let's right. do what's right for us. Let's do what's right for our families, for our future, for our goals using real estate as a vehicle towards creating that outcome that you want in your life. And so I love that about you is that you're not, you're not pressured by external forces. You do what's right for you. And I think everybody should do the same. So I love that. And uh, Amal, this has been awesome. Really, really appreciate you. I want to transition into our rapid fire section. Yes, as you know, the rare air questionnaire, right. and it's all about being uncommon. It's about raising the bar. It's about being excellent. It's about pushing the limits. And it's also about living with purpose and not beating yourself up when you need a day of rest. You need time to really kick back and kind of recover, reflect, and all of these great things we've talked about today. So talk to me about, you know, books. I mean, you and I have connected on books. We love learning. We love reading, yep. growing. I mean, if you had to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read, you know, whether it's the past few years or of all time, talk to me yep. about that. So there's uh, one book that I read in 2015, Extreme Ownership. Yes. Um, Jocko, yep. our friend, of the Navy SEAL. Yep. So I, that book completely resonated with me because at the time I was doing um, consulting 
and had different managers. And I found myself saying, oh, I can't perform with this manager or I perform really well with this. And then he mentioned something. He's like, no matter what type of boss I've had, they've always had the same feedback. No matter who I've worked with, they've had the same feedback because I own the relationship. And as soon as I read that, I was like, oh, yeah, I can own the relationship up or down. Everyone's going to have the same thing to say about me. So I modeled that approach. So it doesn't matter who I'm working with. I'm going to get the same feedback hmm. in terms of I'm going to own it and, and make sure that I can, you know, get the project done, the work done, teamwork, whatever it is, we're going to uh, mission accomplished type of thing. Um, the second book I really liked was The Art of Learning. Mm. Um, yeah. that book? I have Josh Waitzkin. Yes. yes yeah. Yes. yeah so I love that book. The, uh, you know, kind of they wrote Bobby Fisher about him and stuff. Yeah. And so just seeing his, what he's done and two competing things, you know, chess and then yeah. this kind of like Tai Chi Jiu Jitsu type thing. That yes. he does, like it's really just about learning something and defeat is actually just a growth versus defeat, right? Right. Losing is an opportunity to learn. And so once I had that, it's like you got rid of that pressure of when I'm in a room with people, there's a sense to be competitive at work. Yeah, for sure. It's like, Oh wait, I'm learning something from them. Mm -hmm. I like how you, you handled that. Or I like how you approach this. Right. I'm going to get better because of that. Rather so, than the natural tendency to one up someone else. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That's right. awesome. So I think that's been really good. And then the last book would be The Lean Startup. Ooh, um, yeah. Eric Reese, I think, yep. is the author. So just really interesting around, you know, does your solution solve a problem? You know, is the customer aware of the problem? Are they willing to pay for the problem, right? And or for pay for your solution? And it's like, oh yeah, if you can hit these four things, you might have something. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. I just love uh, your love of learning as well. So I was excited to ask you that question. So thank you for all that. And uh, aside from our discussion today, I mean, what's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis? I think just being true to myself, um, just recognizing what I can do and what I want to do um, versus what I feel like I need to do. And it's, um, you know, it's my own measuring stick versus someone else's. Yeah, that's awesome. And beyond that, I mean, what's the biggest way that you elevate others around you? Um, I just try to listen and, and kind of be a good friend to them, I think, um, family and friends. Um, everyone needs, you know, especially now it's a tough time for everybody. And, um, so reaching out to people, um, who, and recognizing that even if it looks like they have a great life, that everyone is human. And so I think just being available and, and, um, empathizing with whatever they're going through, I think just helps. Yeah, absolutely. And having perspective of others, yeah. right. And, um, recognizing that our, our little bubble that we live in is not the same bubble for everyone else. And, Man, you're a great friend to me. I appreciate you. And um, is there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you share, share with Elevate Nation today? You know, I, I, I just thank you for having me here. I think what you're doing is great. Um, I think part of what you've done too is you've elevated, you know, your performance by creating um, different deliverables and goals for yourself. Like even this podcast, for example, right? You have to show up and, and yeah. be present and be ready and be willing to listen and ask such good questions. I mean, that's not easy. Yeah. You know, and the part of doing that is the system is by design, right? So you can elevate yourself and make sure that you arrive, even when you don't feel like it, because now you're learning that you can power through something if you need to. Um, so, yeah, I think just, you know, setting the kind of schedule for knowing what you want to accomplish and making sure you're, what you're doing is mission critical. But mission critical is getting something done, but also taking care of yourself. That's amazing. And uh, man, the best part of this is getting to learn from people like you and Likewise. spending time with people like you. And so I couldn't be more blessed uh, to be able to share this with everybody here listening. So I just thank you so much. And um, I'm super excited to see where you take the next 10 years. Maybe we'll look back in 10 years and say, man, that was that was when, you know, he was he was on uh, the road to greatness. And obviously, you've already 
accomplished so much great, so many great things in your life. And so I'm looking forward to following you along your journey. Uh, but tell the listeners if they wanted to engage with you further, how can they do that? Oh, great. Um, so I am on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm all Agarwal. You can just send me a message and connect with me. I think that's probably the best way. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm pretty responsive on that. And I'm happy to connect with anybody one-on-one if they'd like. So Perfect. And we'll put a link in the show notes uh, and on the website on how you can uh, connect with Amal on LinkedIn. And uh, obviously, you know, look out for what he's doing. I mean, he's making world-class change in not only healthcare, but within himself, leading himself, leading his family, leading other people around him, owning those relationships. And I uh, just think there's so much power in this. So I highly encourage you to reach out to them all, get to know him better and invest in that relationship invest in each other. And so I also encourage you to re-listen to the show because I'm going to tell you, I'm going to re-listen to the show for sure. And uh, I've got two full pages of notes here. So I would encourage you, if you do take notes, to recap those into your top three key distinctions and share those with someone else. And you, you know, you can tag someone on social media, you can text the show to someone else, you can text a screenshot of the show and let them know it's like, this was really powerful for me and here's why. And I'd love to talk to you further about this because that's how our mind continues to expand and that's how we can create and apply things into our own life, into our own business. And so I would encourage you not only to re-listen and share, but also to take massive action because at the end of the day, like we've already said, you know, action is power, you know, not just knowledge, not just information, but it is about taking action, applying, learning, growing, leaning into a bit of discomfort. And so with all that said, I'm all, just want to thank you again thank you. for being here. And Elevate Nation, we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.